Thank you, Kurt. If you would open your Bible to Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90. Through many dangers, tolls, and snares we have already come. Tis grace hath brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead us home. I want us to look today at Psalms chapter 90. If you'll notice there at the head of the Psalms, it uh, says a prayer of Moses, the man of God. It would help us to understand this Psalm if we reminded of the circumstances around which Moses wrote this. We know that he wrote it by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he wrote it from what he saw and what he heard. For 40 years, 40 years, Moses watched people die. They would not believe God and go into the wilderness, and God shut the door. Everyone from 20 years old and upward died in the wilderness except for Caleb and Joshua. And most people believe they was between two and three million people. So I did a little bit of calculating. I times the number of days, times the number of years. Then I divided that into two million. And that come up to roughly 140-some people would have had to have died every day. Imagine that. They said you could have traced them as they went in their journey through the wilderness by the graves which they left. It, must, it was in the midst of constant death that Moses, the man of God, looked to his father for grace and comfort. It's no different than where we live today. We, we're walking in the wilderness. We, we, live in, we live in a tent, which is called a physical body. It's just a temporary thing that one day it will, we'll lay it aside and we'll go on to meet, to meet the Lord. But in the midst of this, in the midst of so much death, in the midst of living in a body of death, our God's on the throne. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. He was promised. He was faithful to his promises. He did take Caleb and Joshua in. He did raise up a whole generation that went in, but they was a whole generation that died. You imagine all everywhere you look every day dealing with death. Now verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in every Generation, as I said, we are just pilgrims passing through this world. We're 
just here for a little time. This is nothing's permanent. Everything, only thing that's permanent is God. The only thing that's eternal is God. Your bodies, they're getting older. Everything we see is getting older. One day he's going to just dissolve this earth and everything in it. But our permanent dwelling place, thou hast been our dwelling place. We've dwelled in Christ, God's people have from all eternity. Now verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. In the midst of so much death, Moses was taught, and he taught him, that God is eternal. Time, as we know it, is nothing with God. But as I thought about the message, I thought, well, how do we tell time? How do we determine when one year ends and, a, and another year begins. Well, this earth that we live upon revolves around the sun one time every day. Just a little bit long, more than 24 hours. That's why we have a leap year to make up for those minutes. And 365 of those revolutions around the earth makes a year. And this morning we're meeting, and it's 2023. Over 2,000 years since our Lord walked upon this earth. And he has he said the sun and the moon would be given for signs and for seasons. And that's why we have time. This is the time in which we live. We are here this morning for such a time as this. God habits eternity. Verse 3. Thou turnest man to destruction and said, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. What he's saying here, it is God who gives life. That word destruction means to just grind into powder. Thou turnest men to dust. Dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. God made spoke everything into existence except man. And he formed man of the dust of the ground, <clears throat> and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Thou turnest men to dust, and saith, Return ye children of men. And he can bring back men from the day on that great day of judgment, on that resurrection, when there'll be a resurrection of the just, and the unjust. Now verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday. And when it is past as a watch in a night. He describes our life in many different things. Many different metaphors in this verse. And one of them here is the watch in the night. But he first says a thousand years or is yesterday. What did you do yesterday? Well, you lived. You went about your life. You probably had some people gathered together at your house. That was yesterday. Now it's just a faint memory. 
A thousand years old, we've gone as 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 of yesterday. It's gone. It's past. It seems like nothing at all. It may seem to us like a long time, but not to God. Not to God. Yesterday was here. Now it's past. A thousand years are with God are but a few hours, a few watches in the night. If someone was to stand guard at night, a watch maybe be for three hours, just, just a watch in the night, and then it's over. He's the one who need, never slumbers nor sleeps. He's no, he's living in the midst of death, but he no, he's acknowledging God who's in control of all these things. It's not like it is with us. God's not like us. God is eternal. Eternal. He rules and he reigns. And you know, he had to have taught those people. He had to teach their children that God is sovereign. Yeah, they walked through the wilderness for 40 years. That has nothing with God. We think we've lived from scriptures that we've, we've been upon this earth. This earth's been here. Uh, it could have been here a lot longer than what we think. I know man, since man's been here, it's about 6,000 years. That's nothing with God. One day is with the Lord. It's a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years. That's what? One day. Just one day. How did that, how did that verse go, Kurt? When we've been there a 1,000 years singing around that throne, we've only, we have only just begun to worship him. See, we can't grasp that because we live in a little bit of a bubble called time. Time. Then verse 5, it says, thou, I mean, then thou turnest away, us away as a flood. Or thou carriest him away, he was with the flood. We have a lot of floods around this area, especially back last spring. If I'd even forgot about it, they showed some of the things that had happened last year. When those things, when that flood comes through, you know what it does? It washes everything in its path. It's not prejudice. Whatever's in its way is washed down stream. There's no resisting in it. He carries it away. God sweeps away things by his sovereign providence, and it's gone. Go back and look at the kingdoms that once stood, Babylon, Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. Go back and look at where are they all at? All swept away. Where's Egypt at? They all swept away as nothing. They're dropping about. You were just grasshoppers, <laughs> just grasshoppers. They are as asleep. Did you know our earthly existence is like being asleep? Now, you know, when you get asleep, you most of the time maybe become drowsy. Then if you get comfortable, especially as you get older, you get comfortable, and I guarantee you, you will be asleep. And you're not aware of anything that's going around, around your surroundings, unless somebody wakes you up. But that's how men's lives are. It's like they're, they're asleep. 
and they're even and they're living in a dream world. And it could be even a nightmare, but it's like they are asleep. Asleep. And when you awake, and one day we will awake out of our sleep. It's high time to awake out of our sleep. Our salvation is nearer than when we believed. And I can tell you, when one day when we are awakened to see things in their true light, it won't be like we thought it was. It ain't won't be like we dreamed it was. It is high time to awake out of sleep. Oh, that God would awaken us. We know that some people live in a deep sleep of death. And, and believers, all through the scriptures, it says, he told the disciples, he says, pray and watch lest you enter into temptation. And while they was asleep, our Lord was praying. Then he says, well, he said, we're like a watch in the night. He said, it's like a flood. He said, it's like we are asleep. <clears throat> then he says, that in the latter part of verse 5, they are like grass that grows up. And in verse 6, and in the morning it flourishes. That's the way your life is, just so young and so promising. It grows up. But in the evening of that same day, it's cut down. You can go over to Danny Belcher's in the springtime after he's put fertilizing stuff on his fields. And at first they look kindly brown through the winter, but then just in about two months or something, it's just lush, green grass. You know what he's going to do with it? He's going to go in there and he's going to cut it down. Our life is like grass. Our flesh is like grass. It grows up. It looks so beautiful. And then before you know it, it's cut down. It's cut down. And it withers away. Verse 7. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Those children of Israel in the wilderness were consumed by God's anger. Can you imagine that? It's just hard to imagine. God said you can go in. You use all this that they they had testimony from spies that it was a man, it's a good land. It's just like God said it was. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. He's talking about Christ our Lord. And they said, but there's giants in the land. I don't think we can go in. We just can't believe God. Two said we could. Ten said we couldn't. And the majority of them said, well, we're going to believe the ten. And God slammed that door shut. They slept on it, and they decided the next morning, we're going to go in. No, you're not. What is that saying? You don't get converted when you want to. You get converted when it pleases the Lord. When he, when he opened the door and no man can shut it, but I can shut it and no man can open it. And they were consumed by his wrath and trouble. Night and day. This is how men live that are without Christ. He's not talking about the elect of God. We're not living under the anger and wrath and judgment of God. We're not appointed unto wrath. Christ bore our wrath. But Moses saw it. How sad. Men won't believe God. 
Why don't they believe? They don't want to. And they never will unless God enables them. But they're, they're accountable. And Moses saw it. How do you explain all this? How do you explain all this death? How do you explain death in itself? You're going to die not because you get sick. You're going to die not because you get old. You're not going to die because your body wears out. You're going to die because of sin. You take away the problem. You take away sin. You take away death. Death is God's judgment upon man for rebellion against his word. And Moses saw it. And God taught Moses this. We see it all around us. All around us. Verse 8 and 9. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee and our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away. In thy wrath we spend our years as a tale that is told. All men apart from grace. Now listen to me. They lived their whole life upon this earth under the wrath of God. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he believeth not in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And if that man leaves this world as an unbeliever, he will stand before God and face an all-consuming God. But you know how men live? And apart from grace, this is how we all live. We live like there is no eternity. You know, it's amazing even how God set things up. Why did God divide the years? Why did he make things like it is? I think he did this to remind us that it's just passing away. Before you snap your fingers, if God in his grace allows us to be here, it'll be 2024 before you can bat your eyes. I told Sandy, I said, it just seemed like we put up the tree, hung up the lights, and here, now we're going to be taking them down. What is he saying? He said, it's like grass and a flood and like we're asleep. He said, it's like a tale that is told. Just like a little short story. You know, when you think about it, how will our story read? It's like a tale that was told. Will it say we lived for ourselves? Will it say that they died as he lived? You know what they said about those people? They lived. And they died in the wilderness. That's how you describe their life. Their life was as a tale that was told. And we're still telling that story. (laughs) Verse 10. The days of our years are three score and ten. You know, the score is 20, three score is 60. So it's, what he's saying is the ordinary period 
of a person's human life has been shortened on average 70 years. You know, before the flood, Methuselah lived 969, and then they started gradually being less. We know that Moses lived to be 120, broke up in 40 different, 340 different sections. But here, God's revealed this to Moses. A man's life, just 70, three score and 10 years. You know how old David was when he died? 70. He was 30 years old. It says in 2 Samuel 5, 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. 70 years old. And if by reason of strength he lives to be 80 years old because his body's a little stronger and he's maybe taking care of himself or whatever it is. I, I've, I know one lady that I know personally that lived to be 105 years old. Yes, she lived to be that long, but her eyesight was gone a long time before that. She probably didn't hardly know who anybody was at for many years after, and that's just, that's what happens. You may live to be longer, but what kind of life is it? You know, I hope I'm speaking to all of us this morning. I see some of many different ages, and I know when I was your age, when I was a teenager, I thought, man, I thought 30 was old. It's not old, I can tell you that, because I'm twice that now. But I remember my parents, they were, I go, man, that's, man, that's just old. That, that, that ain't just old, that's ancient, you know. I remember my, I think it was my grandmother. She was probably one of the ones that I just remember, you know, as a young boy passing away. And I, and she, I think she was 83, and I thought, man, how old that is. That ain't old. But that's how we see it, isn't it? Well, then what? If we, even if we're fortunate and God allows us to live here for 40 years or 80 years or into our 90s, soon we're cut off and we fly away. The question is, but where do we fly? Do we fly to be with our Lord in glory? Or do we fly to be separated with him forever? You know, trying to prepare the message, I couldn't help but remember Brother Henry. <clears throat> I ran across the message that he preached. It was many years ago. It was, was a reflection on 60 years. And I thought when he turned 60, he preached a message on being 60. And I think when he turned 80, he preached on a reflection of 80. But, you know, Henry, he, the Lord was gracious to him. He lived to be in his 90s. But he was very feeble. And the Lord allows us to see these things and to be around people like this. And you say, hey, man, he was such a good preacher. The Lord had truly blessed him, and he blessed us through him and many others. But now they're gone. They lived their life. Three score and ten, or four score, or four score and ten. And they're gone. They just fly away. Verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> Here's where I wanted to get to. 
Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Out of all this that I've said, he said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I probably think about this text every time the New Year's, and I have to be reminded each year. Remind me to number our days. Number our days. He's described here, as I said, it's like a watch in the night, like a flood sweeping everything away. It's like we're asleep. It's like grass that grows up, it's cut down. It's like a tale that is told. He, he says the number of our days may be three score and ten or four score. To teach us to number our what days? He didn't say years, did he? He says teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You know what Job said in Job 14.1? Man that is born of a woman is few Days, not years, few days. And you know how those days are? They're full of trouble. Full of trouble because we live in a world that's full of sin. Paul, I thought about looking at him this morning. I may bring him in in just a little bit. But when he was getting ready to die, he said three things. He said, I've fought a good fight. We know it was by grace. He's not being proud. He's not being arrogant. This man's getting ready to die. He imagined what he fought. He, he, he fought against himself. He fought against Satan. He fought against the world. And our life is a fight. It is a struggle. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. He said, it's like a race that's got to be run. And he said, I want to finish my course, how? With joy. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Teach us to number our days. That's not saying, well, can I count the number of days I have left? Nobody knows that. That ain't what that's saying. It says to take time to consider just how short our life is. There's less water. There's less water under the bridge now than there was before. There's less road in front of us than they are behind us. That's what he's saying. Let us teach us to number our days. To number our days. I think it was Spurgeon said, "We know how to number our cattle. We know how to number our investments, but we forget the most important thing." How to number our days. I think as we get older and I think as we get aches and pains and we just cannot, no matter how much you want to, you cannot do what you once did. And he's reminding us that these old bodies, that's it, that's what it is, an old body, is one day going to give out. Let me read you this. If you want to turn there, you can. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. 
here uses an example about this man who was a covetous man. And our Lord says, and he said unto them, and as he would say unto us, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, Man, that was great of God to give me such a good crop. No, that ain't what he said. He didn't even consider it. He had the ground brought forth. God allowed it to bring forth. Of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, what shall I do? I don't have any room to bestow all my fruits. They're not his fruits. He thinks they are. And he said, this will I do. This is what, I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns. How stupid. And build bigger barns. I'm going to build greater barns. And there I will stow all my fruits and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, it ain't your soul, soul that has, isn't that how he's talking? It's like he's talking to himself. He says, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, we may, now listen to me. I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about us. Apart from grace, that's us. Now listen to me. That's us. But that's what he said. Man, I just can't wait. All my barns will be filled. Whatever my fruits were, it's full. I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to live off the interest. <laughs> yeah, I could see him saying that. I'm just... I'm going to have it made. I'm going to have it made. But God said unto him, Thou fool. What's the opposite of a wise man? Wouldn't you call it, say it, a fool? That's what it says in Proverbs. Was this man a wise man? Well, no, he was not a wise man. That's what our Lord's teaching. But God said, God said to that man, You are a fool. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Oh, he's got a son that, that can't manage nothing. And then here he's going to come through and said, I'm going to spend everything he's got in the barns, and then I'm going to sell the barns. He said, you don't know. I have seen personally in my own life, I have seen people there's nothing wrong with planning. Now, you know I'm not saying this about planning for retirement and those things. We should be good stewards of what the Lord has given unto us. But I've seen people, they live their whole life for retirement. And by the time they get retired, they get cancer. And they spend their life. I know a couple had one, one son. They got to give that boy anything he ever wanted. He could have went to the best College he ever wanted. He could have went probably on a scholarship. He was one of the best ball players in our county. Oh, no, when he got a senior year, he got on drugs. 
He would steal from his mama. He would steal from his daddy. He'd steal from his grandpa. And when it wound up, you know what? His daddy found that boy in a dumpster. What a sad life. That ain't how they planned it. That ain't how they planned it. And they still mourn. Still mourn. Moses prayed to the Lord for help. He said, Lord, Lord, Lord. And this ought to be our prayer this morning. Lord, teach us to number our days. You know, that, that dad who found that boy, he'll never forget that as long as he lives. Never. Well, I won't forget it. I knew that family. I, I was their pastor for years. Knew that boy when he was just, I knew him when he was born. And you go, what happened? Sin. Just like, just, I mean, just say it, say it. We have to be taught. Lord, not just teach me, teach us. Where did God teach Moses? It's the same way he teaches us in the wilderness. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalms 34, verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, and that I may know, not just in my head, but know in my heart. Teach us to number our day that we may apply our heart unto wisdom. That I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Isn't it amazing how the Lord worked those two together right in those verses? We know how frail we are, and you at your, not your worst state, at your best state. The best day you thought you've ever had. Kurt, you may have thought you messed up, you didn't mess up, bless my heart. <laughs> but one man think, oh, man, if he'd ever looked just right. Boy, man, I'm singing right on key. The best day, it's all vanity. Our righteousness is ours, nothing but filthy rags. Oh, that we would know that. And that God would have mercy on us. Most people, I think, live their days and they don't want to think about death. They don't want to consider it. Because they're faced with it. And God reminds us. He that liveth and believeth in me. Now listen to me shall never die. Shall never. Believest thou this? That's what he told Martha. That's what he told Martha. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may know how frail we are, that we were wise, that we understood this, that we would consider our latter end. We can't even protect ourselves from a common cold. Your body, so frail. A young man, well, he's not young. I'd say he's in his 30s. I've known him for years. 
he called me last night, I guess, just to tell me that his mother was in the hospital. He's very dear and close to his mother. And she has pneumonia and COVID. He said he had it, and I think y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. He was on two millimeters of oxygen or something. He said, my mom's on 60. She's right at, all, at the peak of where she can get before she goes on a, a ventilator. And she's been in the hospital intensive care for a week. You know, that's, that's not real good. But I think when he called me, I think it was bothering him. Bothering him. Here his mother's laying there, and there's not a thing he can do about it. Nothing. I mean, you know, that's... Oh, that we were wise, that we understood this, that we would consider our latter end. And that's written by Moses in Deuteronomy 32, 29 right before he's getting ready to leave this world, right before the Lord takes him up and takes him home. I mean, live out there in the dream world. I want you to get this. I want you to, I want this to sink in. We will never be persuaded to number our days and consider our lives till we see how short our lives on this earth are. If we just really, I mean, if you just really, if that would grasp us, it's not that we're living a morbid life, but we live knowing that our life is short. And if I'm going to do something, I better be about doing it. You know what our Lord said? He was 12 years old, 12 years old. He said, do you not know I must be about my father's business? And he was. And no one, no one, no one, me, you, no one else will ever number his days until God has taught us so. And he teaches us. And he keeps teaching us. How many times I've read that verse and preached? I, I usually, when I preach a sermon, I usually make me a note when I preached it. And I preached this message, this same message here four years ago. And I need it again today as much as I needed it then. And we all do. Lord, teach us. Lord, please teach us. Teach us by your grace. We're going to sing the song in just a minute, but here's part of the song. The time is short. Sinner, be warned. Waste not another hour. Oh, flee to Christ the Lord by faith and trust his saving power. Teach us to number our days, not our years. As, as I mentioned there in 2 Timothy 4, where Paul was talking about, I fought a good fight. I finished my, four, I finished my course. I'm not in the third one. I've kept the faith. But right on down just in a few verses, he makes mention of someone that was his dear friend. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What do you think that did to Paul? He loved this man. I don't know how long they were together. Must have been for several years. But he, and he's telling Timothy, he's you know, and he's writing a letter, mentions the man by name. He, he says, Demas has just forsaken me. Why did Demas forsake him? He didn't just forsake Paul. He forsook the gospel. 
because he loved, loved this world? Can you tell me what there is to love about it? I know this much. I know this much about what I see, and I know this much about what I hear. It makes me plumb sick. This world, this this world, I mean, I'm talking about this world system. It is sickening. It's sickening to God. They, they, they blaspheme God like it's nothing. They, they could care less like it's nothing. And that should bother us. Lot lived in Sodom, but he was not happy. It said he vexed his righteous soul. You know why I think he went? This is my opinion. His wife wanted to go. Boy, I'd love to raise my kids, and uh, that's a nice place to raise your kids. That's, you know, they got good schools, and they you know, got, the, got the best of everything. You know, I'm tired of living in a tent. I want something more than a tent, Lord. I want me a house to live in. And look what it cost them. Even when they come out, her heart was still back in Sodom. And God would not destroy that place till Lot was in the city of Zor. Not his wife, but Lot. And as soon as Lot was in, she was not in. She was destroyed with the world. That's Demas. He loved the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And this world is geared for you to love the world. I saw on the news the other day something maybe we'll remember. That man that they charged, they think, is the one who killed those four people out there in Idaho there at that college no matter what the boy did, I mean, you know, if he's, if he's guilty, he ought to be punished for his crimes. But they said in school people would make fun of him, throw stuff at him. Why would men do that? Why, you just tell me, why would men do that? That's who we are. We're just a little better. And that's, the, that's how the world is. They Listen to me. Let me remind you of this. This world hates our God. And I know this. I know God's put us here for just this time. We don't know how much time we got, but what the time we do have, God give us the wisdom to serve him with everything that's in us. It's like Kurt, you never know. You get so trembling, you can't play. But, Kurt, listen to me. If you can't play, you can still sing. Our lives are, are too short to be wasted upon the things of this world. What is it to number our days? It is to estimate human life by the purposes to which it should be applied by the eternity to which we must face. That we may apply our hearts to wisdom. This is a heart work. Christ is our wisdom. Let me read you a few verses and we'll close. Apply our hearts to wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, My son... If thou receive my words 
and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. Wisdom is Christ. Do you hear? The only way you will have wisdom, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is when you hear. Hear what? If all you heard this morning was just an old voice of a man, there's no wisdom in that. But if you ever hear him speak, and apply thine heart to understanding. Do you understand? I pray God enables us to understand. If thou criest after knowledge, if thou lifted lifted up thy voice for understanding, if you seek her with silver as silver, and search for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Here's how the apostle lived. You know, when I talk, mentioned there in Hebrew, 2 Timothy 4, we said, I finished my course. When he was leaving the Ephesian elders, that church there in Ephesus, how he knew it, he knew that it would be, the, he said, it would be the last time I ever see you. And I've not shunned to declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He said, and you need to beware that when I'm gone, there'll be people rise up, try to turn you away from Christ, turn you to another gospel. And he said, I don't know what's going to happen to me at Jerusalem. I don't know if I'll make it out of our life. That's what he said. I just don't know. But here's what he said. You know what we, you know what we would humanly say? Well, I'm not going to Jerusalem. I ain't going down there. They, when I get there, they'll to kill me. Here's what Paul said. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy. That's how he wanted to finish. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Ephesians 5, 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ give thee life. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise men, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are... What does it mean, redeem the time? It means buying up opportunities. Don't waste, an, don't waste an opportunity. It is a metaphor that merchants and traders often use to strive to improve the way that they do business. A man or woman or child would be wise, that has a mortal soul, would be wise to redeem the time that God has given unto them. It's like the opportunity. Let me use this as an illustration. I hope you... It's not too common. Years ago, most of you know I had it run a business. Most everybody knows what happened in 2008. It was not a real good economic time. And that was, 2008 was the very year my wife passed away in November. So, you know, you can imagine all these things that are happening. There's only me and another guy in town, the only two of us that do what we do as far as doing countertops. He calls me in January of 2009. He said, uh, I want to sell what equipment I've got. 
this is an opportunity. He don't want to sell the business. He just wants to sell the equipment. I don't have to buy his the goodwill of the company. I don't have to buy all that. And, everything. and the guys that work for him will come work for me. It was a guy who worked for me, and I said, here's what we're going to do. You get online and see what he has and about what it's worth. And he had probably a quarter million dollars worth of equipment, and he only wanted $100,000. But, you know, then you go, well, man, but... Yeah, I'd have bought that two or three years ago. I wouldn't been no question about it. But what about now? What about now? And I said, here's what I'm going to do. Told the boy who worked for me. His name was Neil. I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go try to get the loan. And if I get a loan, we'll buy it. If I don't get a loan, I'm not worrying about it. We got the loan, bought it. And if we had not bought it, we would have been out of business. Now I'm the only guy in town. You know why this guy wanted to sell his equipment? Because he wanted to go into business. He wanted to, to start him a church. He wanted to have him a church cafe. But God just raised him up to put him down. What you thinking? You know, what are you saying? That was an opportunity. What, what are you supposed to do? You never know what God brings across your path. I mean, we would have been out nothing. Everybody that crosses your path, what I want you to see, happens for a reason. Lord, what was I to do? You imagine, what am I going to do? Lord, give me some wisdom. I'm too, I'm too stupid to figure this out. I always make the wrong decision. Humanly speaking, that don't sound like the best move to make. You never know. You never know. And when it served its purpose, you asked me to be your pastor. And the time was right. You didn't know it. I didn't know it. I sold the business in 2012. Now, I had financed it to the guy. I mean, he never paid a dime down. I figured it up. We went through a lawyer. This is what he's going to pay each month for five years. Hmm. Somebody said, what are you going to do in five years? I said, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years. I know I ain't going to be doing countertops. And I didn't know. I didn't know. And when you ask me, all that's gone. It had served its purpose, and they're still there, and I don't miss it. Because <laughs> I can tell you, it's, 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 it's easy when you're making money. It's easy when the market's going well. It's easy when all that, you know, you could don't, and listen to me, that has a draw to it. More is not always better. <laughs> Paul said, I count all things but laws for the excellency of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count not myself, but have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now listen, I made a lot of mistakes, and every one of us has. And every one of us lo looks back over the past year and have a lot of regrets. But you know what Paul said? I'm forgetting the things which are behind me. I can't do anything about it. The only one that can do something about my past is him that loved me and gave himself for me. And he put it away. But we press toward the man, toward the mark. 
Let me read verses, the rest of the chapter. There are Psalms. Verse 13 and 14. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servant. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Whether our days be many or few, may God give us mercy that our days of happiness be spent in the ways of wisdom and peace and in communion with our Lord. Verse 15. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein thou hast seen evil. Spurgeon said, this is suggesting what Moses is here saying. He says, balance our sorrows, which we have a lot of them, with an equal weight of joy. Give us grace equivalent to our grief. And if thou hast given us a bitter cup of woe, now let us drink from the golden chalice of thy love, and so let our, our fainting spirits be refreshed. Let me say this. Yeah, we bought the equipment. But let me tell you, for the next four years, I was a miserable man. I wanted away from that so bad I couldn't stand it. And a year before it happened, I thought it was going to happen, and it didn't. And I remember coming in, sitting down at my desk, and almost sick of my stomach. I hated it. I once loved it, and I loved the work. We're going in, and my wife, she's no longer there, and it's not, it's not the same. But when God says it's time, I tell you, when God makes you sick of Egypt, and he opens the door. We're going to feed on the Passover. We're going to rejoice in the atonement. And we're leaving. <laughs> you know where we're going? We're going home. Jacob said... Few and evil have been the years of his life. But you know what his best years were? Living in Goshen. With Joseph. For 17 years he thinks he's dead. Imagine living with that. And the Lord said, don't you be afraid to go to Egypt. Because I'm going to bring you back hell. <laughs> Verse 16, let thy work appear to thy servants, O, that God would give us grace to devote ourselves entirely to him and into his kingdom, and thy glory unto thy children. O, that God would behold our children, literal children, to see his glory. There's a song that says, when you see him, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. I pray God allows them to see his glory. That one generation did. 20 years old and upward. Yeah, we're going in. We're ready going in. Oh, yeah, we're going in. <laughs> and they went in. And I remember Oak. 
Oh, Caleb, he said, you see that mountain up there? You see that mountain up there, Mount Hermon? Moses promised me that mountain. He said, well, there's giants in that mountain. He said, I don't care. The Lord's given me that mountain. And Joshua said, will you go take it? You know what he did? He went and took it. You know how old he was? 80 years old. You know what he said? I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago. Now, there's no way he's physically strong as he was 40 years ago. But spiritually he is. And how do we take things? By faith. It was promised unto us, and we take it. It's ours. It was his, and he took it. Let me read you this in closing. Someone said we must soon die. Let our work, the work God has given us, the work God has done through us, live. Let us pray together that that which we are doing as laborers together in the cross of Christ may be established by our God that the work of our hands may, be, may have permanent, everlasting results. How I pray that the work of our hands will not prove at last to be nothing but wood, hay, and stubble, which the fire will consume. May God make ours a building of gold, silver, and precious stones that will endure the fire that will sooner or later try every man's work of what sort it is. Lord, teach us to number our days, and when you teach us, enable us to apply our hearts to wisdom. You think you could have gotten away of Caleb taking that mountain? I don't think so. It was his. And you know, we are our Lord's.